0: This is the NegotiateX podcast, show number nine. So, Aaron, with that, what are some takeaways that our listeners can can have, can implement to help become more <laughs> effective negotiators?
1: Sure, multi-party negotiations are some of the most complex and challenging we face. This four P model that we shared with you today it just gives us a framework to ensure that. All the parties start from the very beginning to work together jointly. Everyone gets consulted. Everyone's respected and heard. They get to explain their reasoning and share their interests. We create space for creativity and creative solutions. And and we create a joint problem-solving dynamic that strengthens the working relationships between the parties involved. That's our goal.
0: You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Welcome to another episode of the Negotiate X Podcast. I am your co host. Nolan Martin with me today is my good friend, Aaron Dinesian. How are things in the Upper Valley, Aaron?
1: They're great, Nolan. That's a nice reference. Most people out of this area, this area that's uh, around the Connecticut River up in uh, upstate New Hampshire and Vermont, they wouldn't know that. So I'm impressed. How are you doing today?
0: Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's warming up here, you know, good. but it's kind of been like fluctuating. So it's a little frustrating. It's like break out the shorts, it's 70s, 60s, and then today it's in the 40s. So little bit frustrating i imagine it's still pretty chilly there although warming up to you is probably much different than it is to me
1: yeah yeah but you gotta lo- you gotta love the weather the weather is a little schizophrenic isn't it
0: yeah i think i do think that we had to start opening up with something other than the weather i feel like uh <laughs> <laughs> i feel like well, we've we talk- may be in our 70s and retired and to just talk about the weather every we're time ta-
1: we've talked weather we talked kids we've talked puppies i think we're doing okay
0: okay <laughs> All right, good. All right. Well, I am excited about today's episode. I know I say this a lot, but today we are talking about multi-party negotiations and kind of how this may differ from a regular negotiations. And we'll kind of get into to more of that here in a second. But to kind of set this up, isn't every negotiation a multi-party negotiation, Aaron? Well, it's it's interesting that you
1: asked that question, Nolan. So before I Before I answer or give you my thought, I'd like to know what your thinking is behind that question.
0: Well, you know, we talked a little bit about this before hitting record, but, you know, if, if I were to go purchase a car and my wife were not to be there, you better believe that I'm going to be calling her and she's going to be part of whatever I negotiate or however I go about buying that car. And same thing with the salesman, whatever... I work out with him, I mean, ultimately, he's going to have to answer to his boss. His boss is involved in that negotiation. So it'd be foolish for me to think that it's really just between me and him and foolish for the salesman, if he's smart and if he's a good salesman, to think that this is just between me and him as well.
1: Yeah, that's a a great point. And And I hope everyone's listening. I mean, there's very few negotiations where the two negotiators at the table are not representing other stakeholders, right? And those other stakeholders, even though they're, they're not at the table, are affecting each party's concerns, what each party can do, what each party will do when you go to implementation. They can be some of the greater challenges or roadblocks to executing the terms of the negotiation really well. So you've got to take them into account.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: that's not what we're talking about here, though. So we're going to we're going to split hairs a little bit, folks. So, you know, w- what what Nolan's talking about is absolutely in most bilateral negotiations involving two parties. There, there's two there's there's multiple stakeholders involved. What we're talking today is actually when you have more than two negotiators at the table and those negotiators are representing distinct perspectives, different parties different viewpoints.
0: Yeah. So what you're calling a multi-party negotiator is multiple negotiators at the negotiating table.
1: Yeah, that's correct. So distinguish multi-party negotiations from two-party negotiations that have multiple stakeholders. So I know that's a little bit nuanced, but it also helps us do some distinguishing and just consider some of the challenges that show up that are more unique when now all of a sudden you're managing three 30 300 people whatever it might be at the table and now you have to get them aligned that can be that can be a huge challenge
0: all right so my question to you then Aram is do multiple business lines within the same company? Are they going to fall into the same category of a multi-party negotiation?
1: Yeah, they do. So I, I, I earlier I said something about you know the parties being distinct or representing distinct different different interests. They can these in multi-party negotiations can be internal as well as external. So even if they're different business units or, or lines, anytime you're getting multiple people at the table and they you're trying to reach consensus or agreement. That is going to be a multi-party negotiation. And the key that's the key setup for what we're talking about.
0: Okay. Whenever we start talking about something new, I kind of like to discuss like what are the challenges we're first going to kind of experience as we as we focus on one of these new topics.
1: Yeah. So I mean the challenges I think most of our listeners are going to realize that they've all been involved in, in multi-party negotiations at some time or another. The old high school or college project team, for better or for worse, is is an example. A working group between different business units or government agencies, there's another example. Uh, We've certainly seen a lot of multi-party negotiations over the last year in dealing with COVID, informing people, rolling out the vaccine. So you've seen, you know, multi-party negotiations between federal, state, local governments, working together with different health agencies or businesses, pharmaceutical companies, and so on. And that all of a sudden you get everybody you're at, you have multiple people at the table. It gets to be a fairly complicated network of interconnected relationships.
0: Yeah. And I'm guessing most of these relationships probably have some sort of history and I imagine that a lot of these have different perspectives from where these different people are coming from. And I imagine a lot of those people have different perceptions of how they're going to see each other, especially when we're all sitting at the same table.
1: Yeah, that's I mean, that's that's exactly right. People have a long a long memory. And each party represents, typically represents widely different perspectives, interests, positions. And then they're trying to manage those concerns. And you also have to be aware of everybody's different alternatives, that what their walkaways could be. And then there's just the sheer volume of information when you have that many people at the table, and some of that information is shared, and then some of it is concealed, or or some of it's just inaccurate or vague.
0: Yeah, and I imagine another kind of complexity that's that's involved in this is probably when you get someone to agree and you were able to work out with an agreement with someone that doesn't necessarily gonna meet. What someone else may want at the negotiating table. So I imagine, I imagine you can't satisfy everybody, and so there's going to be a lot of disagreement there.
1: Yeah, that's very, yeah, that's that's very true. And and then and then if you're trying to determine, you know, who do you negotiate with first, and then in what order, to what end, you know, agreeing on a process of negotiation that all the parties can align around. I mean, that's all. That's all very challenging, just to say the least. And all the while each of those parties is continuing to have to kind of navigate internal stakeholder alignment. So what we talked about what's happening in a bi-party or a bi- bilateral negotiation, all these parties have to do the same thing and heaven forbid but you know this is all occurring with you know within the context of uncertainty around a ever-changing political or economic landscape.
0: That's an extremely difficult situation and I think we've we definitely made the point to our listeners so, Now, how do we get about solving this complex problem?
1: Well, okay, you know me. I like simple frameworks. Uh, Fortunately for me, um, or for us, our friends and colleagues at Vantage Partners have a great model for managing the the challenges around multi-party negotiations. They call it the 4P framework. The 4Ps are purpose. Why are we here? Product. What is it that we want to come out of this engagement? People. Who needs to be here and in what capacity? and process. How are we going to discuss all of this efficiently?
0: Yeah, and I think we start off with purpose. I know we're talking from a military background with both of us. It's probably, at least in my opinion, one of the most important of the four Ps because we're used to, as leaders, of giving a task and a purpose whenever we want someone to do something. And usually, majority of the time, the purpose is going to be more important to the tasks are more important than the task because as long as someone understands what we are trying to get them to do, then they're able to use some common sense as to what they actually need to do to make that happen. So is that accurate in, in this same uh, sense?
1: It is, right. It is. And so one of the things we need to do to manage that well is to be really clear and, and clarify or communicate clearly what the purpose is. So that purpose needs to be intentionally formulated it shouldn't be discovered over time. And it should really define incredibly well our reason for coming together that we're negotiating in the first place. You know, it, it could be, right? We may be negotiating just to exchange information. Could be to understand the concerns of all the parties involved. It could be to brainstorm something, to plan to motivate people, or to decide on something, right? So is does that purpose involve joint action? Is it gonna involve relationship building? Maybe something else. And again, purposes need to be forward-thinking, what is it that we're trying to achieve going forward? And before parties go any further, they need to align on their purpose. It, it will dictate everything else we discuss.
0: Yeah. So then, after we've we've kind of figured out purpose, now we're going to go to product. So talking product, is that just the outcome, the agreement from the negotiation?
1: Yeah, it could be. I mean, I mean, it could you could be as simple as a signed contract. It could also be a tentative framework for an agreement or a memorandum of, an, of understanding but i could also under, i could also imagine other products that might be desirable by the parties involved you know it could be a list of questions that we need to consider and 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 define it might be further ideas that we're um, we're trying to expand upon that might involve us taking those ideas back to different stakeholders and getting their take on them before we come back and negotiate further. It may just be a clear understanding of the problem, especially with all these different uh, people involved in it.
0: Yeah. And I imagine some other things that need to be worked out is simple logistics, like, hey, when are we going to meet next? Is this, yeah, you know, are, are we going to release this to the media? Is there a press release? Are we going to be able to take a photo? I imagine, you know, probably some companies are, really proud of of being able to negotiate an outcome and could really use the publicity that, that this may generate. So I'm sure all of these different things probably need to be decided, and it may help to kind of get this on the table sooner rather than later.
1: That's right. I mean, it could be some sort of agreed upon joint presentation at a trade conference, right? I mean, there's just an endless number of products, but we really need to be clear on what it is that, that is coming out of this meeting. Now, once we once we have that, once we are clear on what our purpose is, we're clear on kind of a desired in-state product, well, then we can look at the people. Who needs to be there so that we can accomplish everything we need to? And in what capacity should we most efficiently engage everyone involved.
0: Yeah. And I think as we kind of do this for our clients, I think this is something that we really excel in. And that's kind of the network analysis of trying to really figure out how is everyone connected and what levers are we going to be able to pull? I mean, that's something that we've done in in the military. And I know that's something that you kind of taught us at at West Point. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's it's something I call relationship mapping. It can be really helpful for us to understand the different parties that are connected to and how they're connected to each other and and potentially how they're connected to people not at the table. So we think through relationships of influence, deference, antagonism. It can help us determine if we have the right makeup of folks at the table so that we can ensure a high quality outcome, whether it's to make a decision, to enable effective implementation or something else. It can also help inform us about where alliances and coalitions might develop or, or where we're going to want to de- develop those alliances and coalitions ourselves. And, and so we often do some work around around those issues as well. And it all stems from this idea of developing a really thorough relationship map.
0: Yeah, and I think a very simple kind of pro tip here, and it may be pretty obvious to most of the community, but you can learn a lot from LinkedIn and you can actually see people's connections and who they are connected with. And it may help understand the the framework of different organizations if you're able to use that effectively.
1: Yeah, very true. Very true.
0: So you said something there and I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper. So considering the way you engage with different parties, uh, What exactly do you kind of mean by that?
1: Well, not, okay, not everyone needs to be at every meeting. So it's, it can be really helpful as we manage the, this third P of people to say, you know, what is your role and get really clear on that. What are the expected contributions we need you to make? It'd be really silly for us to think that we need to engage a decision maker in the same way as we would engage a subject matter expert or someone who's key to implementation or someone who is a gatekeeper of information those people are going to be engaged in different ways and then the and, and and we want to be very respectful and efficient with people's time the other thing we want to consider is you know should every meeting be plenary should we establish committees to work more efficiently how can we best exploit the division of labor uh, how do we ensure that we match talents to the people, what, what you and I would call troop to task, you know, multitasking? How do we assign appropriate roles just as terms of mediator, timekeeper, recorder, process observer, ground rules enforcer, a chair, so forth? Those are all key considerations as well.
0: Yeah, so kind of quick story. Um, so it kind of brought up a jog by memory here. So I had an old boss who used to sit down and, and be like, why are you making sausage in front of me? And and when you say that as far as like subject matter experts and when to talk to someone about something very specific and not necessarily talk about the head honcho about a decision, that's the kind of things we're talking about here is yeah. when, when you need specific information, you go to one person, you know who that is. You don't need to include everybody in that email distro because you're just going to burn out the decision maker. So understand where you need to go. That's right. All right. I digress again. Sorry. I'm, I'm definitely going yeah. off track on this one here. So, <laughs> all right. So, yep. Makes a lot of sense with where we're going. Um, And so now we're at the last P process. So I know we've discussed this a lot in the last episodes and we know exactly how important it is. So how important is it during multi-party negotiations? Well,
1: it, yeah, it really is. And I'm not going to say it's the, the most important uh, or more important than the other P's, but it is really critical to manage the process when you consider some of the other challenges that we identified at the very beginning around multi-party negotiations. They, They really go to the process that you're following. So we need to find an efficient strategy for the group to follow. Is this going to be a single meeting? Is it going to be a series of meetings? How often are we going to meet? What is our agenda? for each meeting, versus, and as well as what's our kind of long-term project plan, project management comes into this. Do we have agreed upon ground rules for how we're going to stay on target, how we'll communicate, how we'll share differences, so that everyone gets heard? And that, and most importantly, so we really accomplish our, our purpose.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, you've been doing this a while, so what are you finding as an effective strategy? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people really want us to kind of dive deeper into that one there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's a number of things. The first one is, and this is really true for bilateral negotiations as well. And it's, I think it's even more critical for multi-part negotiations is work should be done openly and transparently. Use a whiteboard. If you're on Zoom, you know, use the annotation tool, whether it's on a PowerPoint slide or whether it's on the whiteboard feature in Zoom, but but show people that they are being heard, capture the things being discussed, keep the agenda that you're following or the ground rules you've established in front of everybody. I, that's just a really important thing. People need to be able to visually see that, that things are moving along and they've been heard.
0: Yeah. So I'm kind of a, a big believer in processes. So can we implement any processes here to kind of keep the momentum going?
1: Yeah. So there, here's a, here's a few that have been developed over time that I think incredibly work. So one is work from a single draft text, and and, and that's exactly what it is. I love working off a you know fifty or sixty percent draft and let parties invite parties to criticize the draft. And around the question, this is a really important question, what would be wrong with this? And I know one thing about human nature, people love to criticize, <laughs> and that criticism can be really indicative of what their interests are. So as you share a draft to shoot holes at, I mean, that's why we're doing it, we then use that, all those interests we're learning to iterate, get more creative, come up with a with a different set of options or possible solutions. And if we explain that process well, it can really guide us through these sort of negotiations.
0: Yeah. And I think kind of just want to go back to purpose. That's something you clearly need to outline up front. Like that's something that needs to be explained, especially if you're going to go down that that road of, of doing the iterative process through all that. That's right. So I can see why getting all parties on board with the process is extremely important. I'm a fan of processes, as I already stated. Um, Do you ever use pre-negotiations with parties to get alignment on the process?
1: Yeah, I do. So a pre-negotiation is really any meeting or meetings among some of the parties that occur prior to the formal start of the negotiations. And those can be really helpful to build relationships amongst the negotiators, develop an agenda, organize subcommittees, particular issues, conduct some joint training, on negotiation, share in fact-finding, or just to design efficient processes. And by the way, i got one more process I'd love to share if I could. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a lot of different ways you can manage these multi-party negotiations. And, And I think they're not better or worse, but having a process, having something that guides you is really helpful. I've certainly heard that from my students. So another one that I like breaks out key steps of the negotiation into four repeatable, again, iterative steps. You start by defining the problem, getting everyone aligned about defining the problem. You don't name the problem, but you define the characteristics that you currently have and where you want to go. You obviously will have a gap. That's why we're at the table in the first place. Step two is to analyze why that gap exists. You're going to do what I call root cause analysis. Once you've done that, you're going to brainstorm for solutions to the root causes, right? Again, we haven't named the problem. And then then once we've done a really good job of brainstorming solutions, we're going to move into action steps. And as we take action, we now have a new current state and we can compare it to where it is we're trying to go. And again, this is the narrative process. Why aren't we there yet? We're back into step two. What else can we do? We're back to step three, new action plan, step four. So that's just another process that can be really helpful in these these sorts of negotiations.
0: Yeah, and I think what what kind of helps with these processes, with the pre-negotiations, is that we're creating buy-in from the different parties ahead of time or throughout the process. And then we're creating alignment. And so it's going to help through the entire negotiation process from beginning and kind of through the end.
1: Yeah, that's right. And we're creating alignment both with all these parties at the table as well as helping them manage their own internal alignments away from the table. And both of those are important.
0: Yeah. Well, to our listeners today, appreciate you listening. So I know we covered a lot here. And so we always do the transcripts down in the show notes. So if you go to negotiatex.com slash nine, you'll find the show notes, you'll see the transcripts, and you'll be able to kind of read through the different processes the four Ps, everything we kind of mentioned in today's podcast show will be outlined in in the show notes and in any of the references that we also mentioned. But again, this is a podcast that is all about action items. And we're here to help elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. So, you know, we're all about taking action and we want to help you in your business, life and organization. So Aaron, with that, what are some takeaways that our listeners can can have can implement <laughs> to help become more effective negotiators Sure
1: multi-party negotiations are some of the most complex and challenging we face this 4p model that we shared with you today it just gives us a framework to ensure that all the parties start from the very beginning to work together jointly, Everyone gets consulted. Everyone's respected and heard. They get to explain their reasoning and share their interests. We create space for creativity and creative solutions. And and we create a joint problem-solving dynamic that strengthens the working relationships between the parties involved. That's our goal.
0: Yeah, and I think for our listeners, kind of takeaway from my end is have a clear purpose and be upfront about it, about the process. And it's always kind of a recommendation to the group, get buy-in, get alignment upfront, and it's gonna help out the process along the way. Next and very important to us is help us out, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast, give us a five-star rating and leave us a comment. It'll really help us out and get this podcast in front of other aspiring negotiators or just negotiators that want to, level up their game. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you have a question for us, and we've covered a few questions already from our listeners, you could shoot us an email at team at negotiatex.com and we'll be sure to try and cover it in future episodes. Until then, we will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.